Hi, I'm Palma Polisel. I'm a solo parent, dog lover, and a member of the widowed community, a club no one wants to join. Following the loss of my spouse, I felt compelled to help others navigate widowhood and find a fulfilling life after loss. I invite you to spend time with me as I am joined by a variety of guests, including widows, widowers, and professional experts. To name a few topics, we will be discussing grief, loneliness, dating, solo parenting, and self-care. We will also discuss finances with topics like dealing with debt, insurance, estates, and building an emergency fund. I believe that resolving financial issues is essential to improving the journey through grief. Together, with both knowledge and empowerment, we will learn how to move forward and navigate this new normal. Welcome to the inaugural episode of My Widowed Life. Here we go. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm good, Palma. How are you? I'm really good. What have you uh, been up sure. to? Tell me. Oh, I just got back from a short vacation. I went to Miami. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, it was a lot nicer there, the weather. It was warm. <laughs> it was uh, dry, a little humid, but it was good. Unlike the current weather we're having here in the in the GTA. It's but the spring. Best <laughs> and, yeah, I know. April showers, blah, blah, blah. April showers, <laughs> May flowers. I, I know. Anyhow, the funny thing is I, I bought a road bike. As you know, I'm a cyclist or a, a rider, as we call each other. And I joined up with this group in Miami. So we went out on Saturday morning, about 100 kilometers in total. It was a beautiful day, a little bit on the humid side, but really nice to ride. And I'll tell you, I was the oldest person there. Oh, by no. far, by far. So they but, were looking at you and thinking, this man's not going to keep well, up. Yeah, we're going to have to carry this guy in a stretcher, <laughs> I think is what they were thinking. But I did manage to keep up with the young guys and girls and we had a good ride. But I'll tell you what the secret is to keeping up with the young folks. What? What is it? Tell me. You got to work three to five times harder. So if they train for a half hour, you got to train like for two hours. <laughs> so if you rode for three hours, you trained for nine? Yeah, you <laughs> just do that. that. <laughs> wow, that's okay. It's all good. Good for yeah, your health. Well, what, what the heck? How about you? What's new in your life? What have you been up to? So for listeners that don't know, my house is for sale. And the saga <laughs> continues, Richard. I did receive an offer. Good, good. And uh, it was right on the money, actually. It was what we were asking. But... but... But, mm -hmm, and a big but. but, there's a clause that they wanted removed from the contract. Which one? The clause that states that if they back out of the contract at any point, even a few days before, they get their deposit back. Yeah, that's not a contract. That's, that's a, not uh, a contract. Yeah, so they wanted their cake and eat it too. If, if the right. prices went down, they wanted right. to walk and you'd mm -hmm. have to sue them. And good luck suing them and getting mm -hmm. any kind of compensation. Forget it. Exactly. And if we had purchased a property, we it would have really messed us up. We would have oh, had yeah. a situation where they back out and we've already committed to another and property. You've got, you've got two properties. Then and I have two properties. So we said yeah. no. Good, good. But I do want you to move to Toronto. <laughs> I do want to have you and Joe as a neighbor. I don't even so, know if I can envision that anymore, but it's my goal. Good, we shall good. see. Good. We shall see. So Richard, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a wealth advisor with Scotia McLeod or Scotia Bank, uh, located in uh, Midtown Toronto, Young and St. Clair branch. I've been a wealth advisor for the last 30 odd years. It's been with three different companies, but that's all I've done. 
I've worked mostly with business owners and I've helped them get ready for retirement, minimize tax, help them prepare their estate, all that nice stuff that you do with business owners. A lot of interesting work that we did over the last you know, 25, 30 years. Uh, all, all was good. Unfortunately, my life changed in 2015. I know what happened in that year, but uh, why don't you tell our listeners? Yeah, thank you. I, as you know, Mary or knew Mary, mm-hmm. Mary was my wife. My late wife is my wife. How do you say mm-hmm. that? Is it is or was? I, I, I get confused. I know Anyhow, it's still hard. Yep. She is my wife or was my wife. I have no idea which way to go on that. But anyhow, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2015 in in the summer of 2015. And as you know, I think a lot of the listeners will know, breast cancer is very curable, thank God. And so we 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 went with that. And after she had her lumpectomy, it then turned out that that wasn't all she had. She had a much bigger problem. She had a huge tumor in her ovaries, around her ovaries, and on further investigation, she actually had ovarian cancer. So it actually started in her ovaries and then went up to her breasts and went into her her lymph nodes. So it was terrible. She was diagnosed with stage four and not a good staging. She There is no stage five. So she started chemo. My gosh, I think she had good, probably 30 rounds of chemo three major surgeries, hundreds of doctor's appointments Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. medical professionals. I can attest to that. I went to several of those appointments with her. Yeah, you were a really good friend to her. Thank you again. She was a a good friend to me. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Richard, continue. (laughs) No, anyhow, she, she really wanted to beat it and have herself back to normal. Uh, Sadly, in, in January of 2020, January 15th, she passed away. She died. And that's when my life really changed. Mm. How about you, Palma? I know I know you went through a similar situation. I knew Dave, but tell the listeners your story. So Dave had, he was a very active person, very healthy, always doing one sport or another. And he was playing ball hockey with his friends. And when he went to shower, he felt a lump on his clavicle. So he thought, all right, no big deal. It's probably just a virus that has maybe inflamed my lymph nodes or something of the sort. And um, But he thought he would check it out because it was, it was hard. The lump was not just a soft lump. It was very hard. But it didn't grow. However, he still went to his doctor and the doctor said, you're so young. I'm sure it's nothing, but why don't we get it biopsied? And they did. And it turned out to be Hodgkin's disease, which is a form of lymphoma, so a form of cancer. Yeah. And uh, But he was really early on in it. Uh, 1A, I believe, is what they said he was at. Wow. Uh, he had no, no symptoms at all. It hadn't spread anywhere. It was very localized. So uh, they told us it was a 95 or 90, mm-hmm. uh, even higher cure rate. Right. Yeah. They did radiation to the chest, just not even his whole chest, just to that very spot where they saw it with with larger margins to make sure that they got it all. And uh, that was it. They said, wow, a lot of young people, unfortunately, can have uh, can get Hodgkin's disease, but right. it's so curable. You don't have right. to worry. 
just go have your life, go yeah. enjoy your life. That's what they told us too. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. but they said though, that in a few cases, a two or 3%, maybe it can come back as another form of cancer. And then many years later, we were up North with friends for new year's and he was on the treadmill and I was on the treadmill right beside him. And he told me that he was abnormally exhausted. Wow. He knew something was wrong. Yeah. So when we came back to Toronto, he went to his doctor and they did blood work and they found that he had acute leukemia. Wow. So they did try and do some treatment on him, some chemo, but he only survived six months from the diagnosis time. So um, I was... Yeah, very sad. And you had two little girls. I had two little girls. Yeah. Just mm. at that at that point, um, one wasn't even nine yet and the other one had just turned 12. I was in my early 40s and he was the love of my life. I met him in high school and we had our life planned. Everything was planned. He was my soulmate. My, I know that people say that, but he truly, truly was for me anyway. And he was my, my partner and everything. We, we thought the same. We wanted the same thing. So he was, you knew him. Uh, no, oh, he going, was a great guy. Mm, yeah. Big smile. Always, very always happy. smiling, always yep. happy, the best father yep. ever. He was just yeah. an amazing, amazing person. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is this is what happened in my case. And and now on to the reason that I started this podcast. Yeah. How come? Well, I was widowed. I was young. I was you were you, yeah, you were too I was young. super young. And yeah. uh you I still are, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> I was 44. I didn't know a single person. I didn't know a friend of a friend even who was widowed. I didn't know men who were widowers or women that were widowed. I was it. So right. I felt I felt I didn't have support, especially in the early stages, both emotionally or financially. And uh, my grief journey was hard at that point. Also, because I was so young, many people that were widowed after me, they came to me to talk and seek advice and seek comfort because they knew I understood. You, you, they knew I completely understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what I knew for sure at that point, that emotionally grief can be really difficult and it is very difficult. But if there are money issues and they're not addressed, it becomes even more difficult. They're connected. So, they're really connected. Yeah. My goal is to keep, is to help widows and widowers by offering emotional support and financial knowledge and empowerment in the process as well. How did you react after Mary died? Yeah, I've had a lot of different emotions over the you know, three and a half years that Mary has passed. The first year I would probably summarize as numbness, just fog. I thought it would be difficult, but it wasn't. Uh, because I just wasn't feeling any of the grief. It um, it was just like I was a zombie. I was just going through the actions and mm, state and of was, shock, right? State of shock, and so I didn't really feel anything. It's it, it's odd. The grief didn't really kick in until year two, and you and I had that discussion. And mm -hmm. I rem mm -hmm. remember you telling me year year one isn't bad, but year two is worse. I honestly did not believe you, but now that I can, I've walked those, those days. Year two was more, much more difficult. And I think it had to do with the fact that I was starting to think rather than just close down. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so from an emotional point of view, I found that year two was difficult. Uh, year one was was overwhelming. That was my word for year one. Year one was the year where I had to realize, I realized that all of the work that Mary was doing now had to be done by me. And I think, you know, we had an old fashioned relationship where Mary would take care of the house and the children, the kids. I took care of our business and we were happy with that. It may not work for everyone, but it worked for us. Well, I can, I can attest to the fact that she loved that role. That yeah. was her choice. That was her choice. It was her choice. She loved doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And we were happy. Unfortunately, when that happened, I had to then assume her role, which I didn't quite realize was so difficult, taking care of the kids and the house and everything else. But I had to do it in addition to my day job. And mm -hmm. so I had to make sure that the company or the business continued to operate. And we were in the middle of COVID too. And so that added a lot more stress to the business. So year one, it was overwhelming. Year two was grief. Uh, from a mm -hmm. professional point of view, after Mary passed away, I no longer worked with business owners. And I, I, I focused on working with widows and widowers. And I'm now getting so much satisfaction by working with that particular group of people. Um, a little bit like you felt when, when other widows and widowers came to you for advice and you were able to help them, I'm now feeling the same thing from a professional point of view. They're coming to me and they're asking me for financial help. And every now and then I can also offer some emotional help as well. But I walk that walk. I'm still walking that walk. And so I'm finding it extremely beneficial. Like for example, the number one question that I get when a widow or widower comes to the office is, will I be okay financially? And I'm not talking about just people that are not financially clued in. These are some of the most clued in people, women and men. And they're asking me, am I going to be financially okay? And that's an unbelievable question to, to ask someone. And so I feel really honored to be able to help them answer that question so that they can have that financial peace of mind. And hopefully with that, they can, they can move forward a little bit more at ease with their grieving process. So that's what I've done. And you, you started, you're starting a podcast. That's great. I'm starting a podcast and you are my <laughs> guest and you'll be offering this financial, financial information for people. I'm looking forward to it. That's so, my bag. I will be discussing the emotional aspects of grief and offering suggestions for any kind of personal growth that I I felt and uh, that I can um, help people with. You will be offering financial information to help with their financial resilience. We'll also be discussing other things, though. I'll be discussing the family home or selling it or not selling it. Loneliness, which is a big thing. Actually, loneliness. I think you talked to me about this just a while ago. Did you not? Yeah, I'm in the fourth year of grieving or loss or as mm -hmm. a widower. And I think the word for the fourth year, I'm into words, is loneliness. I didn't feel lonely the first three years. I, I, I guess I don't know why, but I'm starting to feel that. The loneliness comes in when I, for example, have dinner and occasionally I have to have dinner by myself because there's no one home. 
that never, ever happened when I was married and Mary was alive. I also go to bed. There's no one there. There's no one there in the morning, no one there at night. So I'm starting to feel lonely from that point of view. And and again, I, I never had that feeling before. Do you feel lonely at the moment? How's I, that I don't. For you? And I was so busy with the girls. They were right. young. They were so younger. I didn't I didn't have a I didn't really have time to feel that kind of loneliness at the time at yeah. uh, that point. But I felt a different kind of loneliness. And mine was that no one on this earth understands when you speak about your children more than your husband or your wife or the mom or the dad. So I that was my loneliness, I would say. I, I didn't have him to talk to about the girls anymore. I didn't have him to consult about the girls. So I was both mother and father. Difficult when you're disciplining. Mm. There's always sort of a one that's... Um, not good cop, bad cop, right? That kind of thing. <laughs> and I was both. So it was, you it had to be both. Inter- yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have him to talk to. I didn't have I, him. Sometimes you know what it's like when you're a parent, you can talk about your children forever. It's just what we can do, what we do do. And um, I didn't feel that I had that. I did talk to my mom, but I certainly didn't talk to her as much as I would have talked to Dave. So in terms of loneliness, I felt that type of loneliness. I can attest to that too. I I don't really have anyone that I can talk to regarding the issues of the kids. As you said, there is no one in this world that loves the kids as much as I do at at this moment. Mary loved them as much as I did or do. And and we were able to communicate for hours, as you said. Right now, that's different. I can't talk to my mother. She probably would not be able to provide proper advice. We won't go into that. Maybe that no, might be I was another... there, Wait a minute. I, was, I want you to go into that, but that's maybe another uh, she's, episode. She's the anxiety queen in my life. So I'm I'm not going to increase her anxiety by giving her my problems. No, I understand that. I understand yeah. that. Well, we're also going to be talking about coping strategies, dating. That's a big one. Um, personal health. Yes. Mm-hmm. Personal health, kids, budgeting. That's where you'll come in. Um, Debt, rebuilding an identity. That's something that people don't really think about when they're grieving. They don't really think that possibly they'll have to sort of refocus their thoughts and their life and change in the way they see their identity and moving forward, what that identity is. Um, Yeah, you, you, you have a couple's identity. So for example, we were considered... Mary and Richard. You mm-hmm. were considered Dave and Palma. Mm-hmm. Now, or, or Palma and Dave. Or Paul, yes. Sorry, <laughs> Palma and Dave. Right. The better half first. That's right. And, and so that has to change now. And so you have to be able to create your own identity, whatever that is. And that's that's challenging and intimidating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, we'll be talking about handling friends and their feedback. And I oh, received yeah. a lot of it. Ah, uh, yeah. We could do a whole session we'll on do a what, whole show. what not to say to people that have lost a husband or a wife. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I want to say is don't ever say he's in a good place uh, no. or he didn't suffer or anything like that. Or thank <laughs> because, goodness they're not suffering anymore yeah, or something say, to that effect. That's right. The good place for Mary to be would be right here, right now. Exactly. Not, not in a cemetery. 
<laughs> exactly. I know yeah. how you feel. I know how yeah. you feel. We'll be discussing all those topics and much, much more. Great. Great topics. So, thank you. My goal is to connect and support the widowed community in several ways. The first, of course, is with this podcast, and I sincerely hope you all listen every week. The second is my Facebook group, which is my Widowed Life Facebook group. It's a private group, which is a safe environment where you can ask questions, whatever they may be, share experiences, and connect with others who completely understand and get it. You can also suggest topics for the future podcast episodes. I'm happy to hear any any topic that you might want us to talk about or what might want me to talk about. The second is my Widowed Life website. There you'll find information about the issues or topics discussed on the podcast, as well as a blog and resources for widows and widowers. I will also have a private newsletter that you can subscribe to. It will be emailed every Saturday and in it, I will discuss a few emotional or financial issues affecting widows or widowers and offer practical solutions. Uh, That's a lot. So Facebook group, <laughs> yeah. a website, and a yeah. podcast. Well, my wow. goal is to help people move forward in a positive way. So the more information I can provide, the better. So Palma, do you know that in Canada, according to Stats Canada, we have 2 million widowed people. 1.5 million of them are women. So they're widowed. The other half a million are widowers. But what's even more interesting is that the average age that a woman becomes widowed is actually 56. Wow. Yeah. I, I would have very young. I would have thought 70 ish or even later. But according to Stats Canada, that's the average age of a woman when she becomes widowed. Mm. And that's, and isn't that so cruel? That's the point when she or he was preparing for retirement. Their kids have grown up. The mortgage is probably paid. Uh, tuition's paid. Now that period of time is really for them to do things that they postponed, didn't get a chance to do. And then all of a sudden he or she dies. It's kind of cruel. It is. It is very cruel, actually. It's They're planning for their life moving forward, and instead they're moving forward alone. Alone. Yeah, and they have to totally create their new identity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What What have you learned from today's podcast? Tell me one thing. I like to end it this way. Yeah, well, if I can, I'd like to give you a lesson that I learned from this woman who was a widow. And she and I had a discussion probably within the first nine months after Mary passed away. And at that point... I was in sort of that coma type of feeling and I wasn't really a good dad at that particular moment. And, and I, I just, I was isolating and I thought after, and let me just tell you what she said. So she said she was also widowed and she was widowed in her fifties and she, she was a religious woman. And she said, when I meet my husband again. So she believes that at some point in the future, she will actually meet her husband again. Now, let's not debate that. But what she then said was she said, I want to tell my husband when I meet him again, that I didn't waste the time that I had after he passed away. So when I meet Mary again, if I do, and she'll say, well, what did you do? <laughs> I'm not going to tell her. I don't want to tell her that I stayed on the couch didn't become a good dad or a better dad 
or maybe I picked up some bad habits, like uh, some obsessions that I shouldn't be picking up. Uh, so that's really what helped me under, understand that the kids had lost a mother and I didn't want them to feel that they had lost their dad as well. And so I pulled myself up at that particular point when I sort of put those two things together, what she said and how I was feeling. And I said, okay, that that's it. I have to find a way to move forward on my own that is good for me is and is good for my kids so that we can find a way to heal after this particular um, tragic event that we all live through. So that's the lesson that I want to tell people that is when they're ready, they need to find a way slowly to move forward. And that's very, tough. Very valuable lesson. Yeah. What's your lesson? You're the host. What, um, what do you have? My, my lesson is that I learned that I really love helping people in particular. I love, I love helping widows and widowers. I, at the point where I was widowed, didn't have anybody that really understood that I could talk to. And I like being that person. I like offering my advice, which may not work for everyone, but I would say that I learned that I enjoy, I'm very, I get a lot of satisfaction from helping someone that is going through the grief process. So we're both in the same boat. We are both, both, in both the like same helping boat. people. We both like <laughs> helping people. Always a good thing. Well, thank you for joining me today on my first episode, Richard. Until next time, bye-bye. Hey, listeners, for more insight, support, and resources related to widowhood, visit my website at mywidowedlife.com. That's where I expand on topics discussed on the podcast and apply them to the unique circumstances of widows and widowers. I also invite you to join the My Widowed Life Facebook group, a group that welcomes everyone, regardless of when you lost your loved one. This is a safe, non-judgmental space where you can like, comment, and post in an environment where everyone gets it. Please see the show notes for contact details and links to the My Widowed Life website and Facebook group. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, please share this podcast with your family and friends. Until next time, take care.